Good morning, my sweet angel of a sister. Hello. Welcome to our podcast, Pop Apologist. Are you on drugs? Why are you being so nice to me? So I'm doing this thing where I go to sleep by 10 p.m. I'm not going to bed at 10. I literally am asleep by 10 p.m. And I'm waking up at 6 every morning. And it's giving me like this great um, like set of – I don't know. I just get this like rush of endorphins in the morning now because I am so like awake before my day starts. So I have all this time to do all these things. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm just loving it. Oh, great. So are now we get, are we now going to be, you know, forced to suffer through your wellness routine, which includes sanctimoniously waking up at 6 a.m., grounding yourself with a bowl of oatmeal, pouring a glass of hot water with lemon? Uh, yeah, you're going to be subject to that. I mean, I literally went to bed last night as I was crawling into bed. Like, it was not fully dark outside. Like, that's a beautiful thing. That is generally my timeline is going to bed between 9 and 10 and waking up right at 6 or 6.30, mm-hmm. sometimes even 5.30 if I'm dieting and I'm a little bit – if I try to go to bed hungry. And, you know, I don't experience this sort of like spiritual benefits that you're alluding to. For me, it's just kind of my body's clock and how things are working. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad you are finding it to be a, a restorative so, schedule. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm I'm writing my jet lag still from like in my mm. timetable from being in Puerto Rico. I'm also going to be moving to East Coast time and I'm going to Utah next week before I go to New York. So I'm just trying to like, you know, get ahead of things, uh, if you will. Kagan and I, when we first moved to Puerto Rico, we really tried – or Kagan is already, you know, could sleep till 10, 10.30 every day and then stay up till 2 or 3 in the morning. And he was like, you should try to get on my schedule. That oh way, you know, you're awake more for West Coast time. Um, and, you know, you can be awake when your friends are awake and your family's awake and it'll just be better socially all around, all across the board. But – People's circadian rhythms really are biologically ingrained, and there's many studies on this. People are just naturally early risers Mm -hmm. or late risers, Mm -hmm. and there's just not much you can do. Like I so quickly fell back into a 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. schedule, and it's just literally how your body is wired. Not to go off on a tangent on this, but there's actually been – interesting articles about this because people who are naturally early risers just have a leg up in general because they're more awake when they get to work. They are like more awake when they oh, get yeah. to school. They just have an easier time going through life than people who need to sleep later. And there's just been interesting studies about how like we talk about early risers in, a, in our mm-hmm. culture, like they're more virtuous, even though it's just literally their biology. So I think that's interesting. Well, I think there are people and I have close friends who literally like cannot go to bed before 1 or 2 a.m. Like it's, right. it's just like actually unfathomable for them. Right. And they just physically cannot make their body do it in the same way that I can't make my body stay up past – like unless I have something to do or I'm like working on something really, really intense, like I cannot stay up past 11. Like it's right. not – my body literally starts to like decay and crumble. And and, and uh, those people also cannot really function or wake up and feel good before 10 a.m. Exactly. But we talk about them like they're like sloths and so undisciplined when it has nothing to do with that. Also, I've been packing my apartment, which has made me pretty tired. And I've wanted to go to bed like basically immediately after packing and I haven't wanted to stay up and do anything. Speaking of which, I have to tell you what happened with my packing situation. Okay. Okay. So we'll get into our weekend and everything that happened with our family. Mm -hmm. Um, But before I left for St. George, 
I so what I'm doing to move is I'm using MakeSpace, which is like this company that like basically sends you bags and then you pack all your stuff in these bags. Then they bring bins and they like move you and put you in storage. Okay, that's what I'm doing. That's my plan. That's how I'm going to be, you know, putting my life in San Francisco on hold to go to New York for the summer. They put your things in storage. They put my things in storage and they give me like bags, basically Ikea bags that they then put into bins to then store it. Like I don't have to do a bunch of like cardboard boxes. Amazing. Love yeah, it. it's a great service. I've really enjoyed my time. In fact, if they want to sponsor this podcast, I would love that. They just got a free ad. So I think they're probably good. Yeah. If, if you'd like to give me a rebate, I'd really appreciate it. Anyways, these bags are like, they're the size of basically a blue Ikea bag. Okay. So before I went to St. George, I decided I'm going to get like a leg up and I'm going to pack like one or two bags full of like stuff I'm not using. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I pack about three bags and then I um, I see how much stuff I have. Okay. And, and how much stuff really does just go into one bag. And it's not enough. It's not even close to being enough. So I make a very panicked phone call to a MakeSpace representative. Okay. <laughs> Already feel where, bad for them. I know. Where I say, I need 60 more bags. Okay. <laughs> Immediately. I need 60. So like, and and I just honestly did not have, I don't have great spatial like awareness, reasoning, whatever. Right. Totally. I didn't, I didn't get into the gate program. There's my, you know, it's my greatest shame. Um. <laughs> So I say I need 60 bags and I need them immediately because I'm moving and I I don't have the space forever. I don't have the bags because I already had only had like 20. Okay. So they're like, oh my gosh, like, yes, no problem. They're like, this will bump you up into like basically, you know, a 500 square foot uh, <laughs> storage unit. And oh I'm, like, I'm like, fine, do it whatever I, I, I like I'll sign the dotted line no problem just get me these bags. necessary yeah um the nice part though about make space is that if you don't end up using all that space they will take you down great let's finish the ad I love it yeah so um make space is a state-of-the-art moving I'm just kidding <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um so I have them like basically overnight me this big package of bags and I need to come clean on the podcast because I've done – I did a lot of packing the day I got back. And I've basically – How many bags did you I use? filled about 12, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I might cap out at about uh, – I think I might cap out at maybe 25 bags. I don't know what it is. It's just an illness. I don't know if it's particular to our family or to most human beings, but there's just such an inability to anticipate consumption. Like it's just making way more food than the, than is necessary. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. needing, thinking you need way more packing materials than is necessary. It's like a fear of running out of things drives you to like make up for it and overdo it in leaps and bounds. Right. My, my scarcity mentality is alive and well. Um, right. So I have I think I've now got a grand total of like 90 bags in my possession and I will only be using about 25 of them. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm sure the people of MakeSpace are really grateful for you as a customer. Yeah, I'm sure they are as well. So that's that's what I've been dealing with um, since I've gotten back. Um, well, should we segue back to before you were moving back yes. to the week after Puerto Rico? Because it's been a doozy and a bender, not a bender. <laughs> it's been an emotional bender. Yeah. Um, but it's been a doozy of a week. That's lots, for sure. Lots have happened for sure. Okay. So you guys left Puerto Rico on a Saturday. And when you were in Puerto no, Rico. We left, Saturday, we left Puerto Rico on Sunday, Monday, early Monday morning at like 1.30 okay. a.m. Right. I mean, our friends left on Saturday. You left Sunday morning 
or Monday morning, Sunday night, basically at like mm-hmm. midnight. Right. Um, and then it was literally the next day. Okay. And, and this is also like on the heels of a long vacation. It felt like that, like eight solid days of, you know, right. consuming, over consuming. We all felt like garbage human I, beings. I was essentially catatonic the day I returned on Memorial Day, the day I returned to San Francisco. Like I flew at 1.30 a.m. from Puerto Rico to New York with, with Ben. We had like a we slept for like three hours on the flight. Then I had a four-hour layover. He took me to get McDonald's breakfast. I cried because I was saying goodbye <laughs> for three weeks. And it was and then I flew back to San Francisco catatonic the whole day like so sad serotonin levels completely depleted like I was mm-hmm. I was in a state I think I called you crying as well mm-hmm. emotions were all over the place for you in terms of vacation being over and you know leaving your boyfriend for a few yeah. weeks the honeymoon phase it's a hell of a drug people it really um, is oh, <laughs> like heroin in my veins I will say I was deeply looking forward to like a few weeks of just eating really simply and moderately and sitting in my cool, quiet, clean apartment, you know, surrounded by silence and serenity. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say those were qualities I was looking forward to in my experience in the forthcoming weeks. Totally. Deeply. I mean, deeply. I-, I was ready for my body to start contracting again instead of ever expanding, binging on Mexican food for Eight solid days. I had been on a dead run of traveling. Like, ever since I got vaccinated, I've just, like, you know, fully become a jet setter. Like, I I went to Palm Springs the weekend before, Puerto Rico. I Then I went to Puerto Rico. And then, like, I've just been living out of my, like, carry-on. And I also needed to move, like, my entire apartment, basically, in the two weeks after Puerto Rico. So I, as well, was looking forward to, like, a little bit of routine and, like, getting organized and, like, hitting reset normalcy. So we got news that our grandma was not doing great as the Puerto Rico trip was, you know, ending, I would say in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And and our grandma has, you know, been kind of up and down for about a year and a half, but generally up. Like she's been doing well, doing great, made an unexpected recovery and remission from her cancer again. And so it's been really an amazing year and a half for her or it was. Mm-hmm. But then she started to precipitously decline. And, and you know, we had made some amazing memories with her in the past year. And I felt like it had been because we knew that she, you know, wasn't going to be here forever. And that became abundantly clear. We really had made an effort to go to St. George and really make some memories with her. And we've had some great times. And so when we got this news, I was super emotional about it. Um, but I didn't know if I was going to go all the way back to Utah to necessarily say goodbye. I just, from Puerto Rico, it's an 11 hour journey. It's three flights, you know, two layovers. It's pretty strenuous to get there. And I just didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I think that I really didn't want to travel again. Like that was the last thing I wanted to do was kind of be on vacation again. I had so much work to do. Just want a normal same routine. Chandler, I'm sure you felt somewhat similarly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I said, I like had needed to move. I needed to like kind of like tie things up with like my like life here a little bit before I like left for the summer. Um, also I think what, what I didn't really anticipate or like what was at play was that our grandma was like, has made some miraculous like recoveries. Like we've had moments where we thought it was really touch and go. And then like, she totally like turned a corner. So like there was Mm -hmm. a time where I thought, okay, maybe this is just like a little dip and that like, she'll totally bounce back again. 
Right. Right. So I would say Monday, basically the day you left. Yeah, it was the day you left because mm-hmm. you left that morning yeah. at 1 a.m. Yeah. We got news that this was not going to be a rebound situation. And so it was kind of like it was kind of like make or break. You either gonna you're either gonna come out and say goodbye or you're not going to. And I had a very emotional FaceTime with her and chatted with her and told her how much she meant to me. And and I just wasn't sure if I was gonna also like hop on, you know, a flight from Puerto Rico to St. George and go say goodbye. Um, Chandler, what well, were your thoughts? As, so I talked to mom in the airport uh, in Puerto Rico before we left. And there was like a moment where I was like, do I just fly to Utah from like Newark? Um, right. But that those flights were really expensive and that was going to be like kind of a crazy journey as well. So I figured, okay, let me just get back to the West Coast. St. George is like, you know, it's a, it is still like a layover flight. I have to like fly to Phoenix or um, – Right, or somewhere else to connect, but or Salt Lake. But I figured, okay, I could like get a, I could get there easier from the West Coast than from the East Coast. Right, right, exactly. And so you were you were flying in Tuesday at seven p.m. and it was really it was, so it was the morning you left. Gosh, it's so crazy looking back. And and I just ended up making the decision like I'm gonna go, and <laughs> it was a chaotic decision. I oh booked a flight, I canceled my flight, and then you know, four hours later, I booked a new flight, the same flight Mm -hmm. and made the, you know, the mental commitment that I was going to do it. And, and honestly, I made the, I made the decision based out of a fear of regret. You know, I didn't want to let, you know, I didn't want to let things that inevitably didn't matter, like my own feelings about, you know, wanting to, to have control over my environment and just stupid stuff like that like leave me with lasting regret. And I think that you and I are both like people very much prone to guilt, especially guilt mm-hmm. when it comes to anything family related. Right, right. And and so I wanted to anyway, I just decided I'm gonna hop on a plane and I'm gonna go. Yeah. I mean so I felt I, like pretty financially tapped. I was like, okay, I don't like I just spent all this money on Puerto Rico. I was like, oh my gosh, like this this isn't it. It wasn't also a cheap flight too because it was a connecting flight. And it was, I was right. like, I have, I've just been out of work for a week. And there were all of these like kind of, you know, life, like very like normal logistical reasons that were making me feel like, oh, this is like going to be a big stress that I just eventually had to like make peace with and be like, eh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to remember any of these like stressors. Um, exactly. You know, six months from now, a year from now, five years from now. And truthfully, I had airline points. I also have a, like a wonderful team at work who was just like, yes, go. Like there was literally just like carte blanche, like whatever you need to do, it's handled. Like I felt like mm-hmm. so lucky that like work was just like like I've have had other jobs where it's felt like a little bit more um like annoying to have these like type of family emergencies, especially a family emergency on the heels of a week long vacation. Like I just felt yeah. so guilty about it. But I like mind that my job was like fantastic about it. So I just like also booked a flight in a chaotic way and um yeah, I got there on Wednesday night. So I ended up, I ended up, I yeah, it's like all those extraneous, you know, very normal logistical concerns, you just know will melt away into actually nothing. And all you'll be left with is, did I do everything I could? And mm-hmm. and so ultimately, yeah, like I, I booked the flight. I was, I booked the flight for the next morning. I was at the airport by 5.30 and I was, you know, on a flight. By 6 30 a.m. And so I landed in in Utah and we spent 
the last week with her and it truly was the best decision and I am so grateful we did that. I mean, it was so beautiful. We got to be with her during really her one of her last days where she was with like aware and could have a conversation and go back and forth. And it was so sweet. She like didn't want us to leave. She was like every time we were like, okay, well, maybe we'll let you sleep because we didn't want to, we really didn't want to be overtaxing on her. She was mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. Like, I don't, I don't want you to leave. Don't leave. And it was just beautiful. I will treasure the memory of those days forever. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to get emotional. Um, I'm gonna try not to, but I think there was something really uh special and like almost like sacred about being with someone in their like final days where mm-hmm. it's just really peaceful and you're just like there to be to take care of them or to just be like a warm presence as they right. you know slip away and I felt so like lucky to have been there and like um to lay next to her and to like hold her and just make her feel like she was loved I mean the woman literally that we had to like put notes on the doors for people to stop stopping by um, she had so many people who were lo- loved her and were so moved by her. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm like, okay, I if I hadn't have gone, I really would have been like remiss. So I am mm-hmm. really happy that we were there. And also, I think just to be together as a family in these moments is really solidifying. Um, right. I just you don't want anyone else by your side. Yeah, I think that it was like so. We ended up, you know her last couple days was just with her children, which I think we all thought was appropriate. Like, you know, it wasn't, it really, it's an intimate thing. You don't want to crowd in that environment. Um, And so I thought it was great that she was just with her children her last few days. Um, And so it was really just you, me and Courtney and the kids kind of processing together alone. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I felt like it was just so bonding to go through that together. I honestly, I I think we will never forget those days together as sisters. Yeah. I had like this new realization when we were there that truly we have a very, very tight knit family. Like I think, oh, like we're a close family, but like, we're not, we're not just like a family that's close. Like we're a family that's incredibly Mm -hmm. tight knit and who Mm -hmm. like, go to each other very often and spend a lot of time together. And I just felt so grateful that like we continue to prioritize that because I really feel like come like anything else, like hell or high water, as mom would say, like family is all that matters. Like even though we have our shared drama and there was maybe a fight about, you know, uh, Jimmy John's or what are, what's Jimmy Steve's. (laughs) It's my uh, Mike's Jersey Mike's Jersey Mike's. There was a there was a there was a tearful conversation about a Jersey Mike sandwich. Okay, I think emotions were heightened. The problem, the fight was resolved within twenty minutes. Right, and that's but honestly, that's what I just love about our family. Like we maybe have like you know a a little bit of drama here and there, and but we like we're always over it within like you know about an hour forty five tops. Right. And I'm just so glad that we're just such a close family. Like, I just will continue to prioritize that for the rest of my life. And if I don't, you, like, better take a flight and slap me and tell me to, like, get it together. Yeah. I think that we've just kind of established an expectation almost that we've established, like, we've just established – I don't know what it is, actually. I don't know if it, there's no one, no one's ever laid down the law, but I think that there are certain members of our family that always make the sacrifice to be there. Right. Whether it's bringing all of their kids or whatever it is. And I had a moment in Puerto Rico where I was like, I don't want the fact that I moved to Puerto Rico to now make me 
the type of person in our family where I'm just not at everything. Like I'm, I'm the type, I'm the person who's at things every other year or whatever it is. Like absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think really like it is such, it is, it is something I'm so grateful for because it's truly a magical experience to love so deeply the people around you and to also be so fiercely, you know, loved. Right. No, I, I think that's exactly it. I think there's like, there's a group of us who totally like uh, just decide like to make the sacrifice like all the time. And, and it is a sacrifice. Like I definitely could have saved a lot of money if I didn't like always fly to Utah to like see Courtney or whatever. Um, but like it does make a huge difference in the way our relationships are, you know, able to continue on as we like get older and life changes and everything like that. One, well, I think we also, and I know this is Pop Apologist podcast, so I'm sorry if this is so boring, you guys. Probably skip ahead 10 minutes where we'll get to celeb stuff if you're not interested in this. Um, yeah, but I think we ahead. also, like, now that we don't live in the same states, our relationships are really solidified and our family, like, dynamics and our family memories are solidified by spending long periods of time together. So whether that's a couple weeks, multiple times a year, you know, if you go, if you if you stop doing those couple weeks, if you stop, essentially, I would say cumulatively, we spend six to eight weeks together as a family per year, and if mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. gets cut in half, that dramatically makes our family less close. And I totally. think that it's a sacrifice to make it work. But while you can, while while you can financially swing it, while you don't have responsibilities that truly tie you down, it's important to do. It just is important to do. A thousand percent. Yeah, and so I think it was just that impulse. That and that kind of realization that, you know, extraneous logistical comforts and convenience ultimately don't matter. And that led me to also make the decision to stay for the funeral, stay a couple of weeks in Utah, spend log more time with the kids, um, and then also see all of our extended family who we really love so much. And so anyway, so now I am in Utah till the 20th, funerals on the 19th. Um, and Chan, you get here in a week, so it'll be great to spend more time together. Totally, totally. Um, one thing that I think is so sweet is that our grandma did actually listen to the podcast, which at times made Lauren and I very nervous. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we had several conversations about how we would hear that she was listening and we would then feel a lot of shame and guilt about maybe things we were talking about, you know, um, as much as we make fun of our mom saying this podcast is absolutely so embarrassing to our family. Like we don't actually ever want to bring shame to our family name. So our sweet, you know, our sweet grandmother, we never wanted her to feel like, you know, maybe she was exposed to some parts of our life that she didn't always like love or approve of. But I think our grandma was maybe more progressive than we thought and was also just like, the least judgmental woman that I've ever known and, you know, like always loved us unconditionally and has like, it was always so proud of us. So. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things, the interesting things about her is that even though she was such a devout Mormon woman, she was so Mormon that she was actually Christ-like in the way that she didn't judge people. Like mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. was Mormon to the point of being non-judgmental. So she didn't use religion as a vehicle for petty judgment of others and policing other people, which I think a lot of people do, unfortunately. She was, you know, truly non-judgmental. 
Yeah. And she never even talked to me about my my own lack of beliefs and my own kind of alternative life path when compared to the rest of our family. And I look back at that and I'm just and I just think like she never tried to exert any sort of control or mm-hmm. influence. The only thing she ever tried to do was have a loving relationship. And I just think right. that that's such a testament to the woman that she was. Yeah. I mean, all she ever did was just convey that, like, we were just so loved by her and by God. And I just, yeah, I will miss her so much. Yeah. And I think one other thing about her that I just want to say is that she, when I when I remember her, she's just such a person who, if you looked at the exterior of her life, if you looked at the brass tacks on paper, her life was extremely hard. But if you talked to her, you would have never thought she had a hard life. She was yeah. always so happy and so grateful. And she just, in spirit and in attitude and in outlook, was someone to really look up to because she was just such a positive, grateful person, regardless of her circumstances. Right. And and the way that she, like, gave of herself and what, like, the what little she had, like, to other people was, like, I mean, even just hearing people come over and talk about her, uh, like, what kind of neighbor she was, what kind of, like, you know, church member she was, like, how she just fully gave all of her resources to other people and like she never missed a birthday. She has she has 40 grandchildren and I think 44 great grandchildren and no birthdays were ever missed. Right. Right. Like, we always got a loving card and a cute $2 bill. Like she was I, I don't understand how the woman had the energy or like the wherewithal to like keep track of everybody, but she did and she always made all of us feel like the favorite. Like I truly believe that. Yeah, truly one of a kind. And it was just so amazing to spend time with her this past week. Yeah. Okay, need to take a second and chat about one of our delightful sponsors, HelloFresh. HelloFresh takes so much off my plate, literally. Every week they have over 27 recipes to choose from, from the vegetarian meals to the calorie smart choices to craft burgers to extra special gourmet options. You cannot go wrong. I've felt like a true adult as I've made stunning steak dinners for myself. Is there anything more adult, honestly, than that? Just ask my roommates. They are impressed. Another reason I love HelloFresh is because they help me cut down on food waste. You know Earth Day is not just about the thirst traps. I try to be green and save the earth, all that good stuff. And I hate, hate, hate when I have to throw away food. And HelloFresh helps you cut out, you know, the stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. I always overbuy or think I have something that I don't, but they just figure it all out for you. There is a reason it is America's number one meal kit. As always, we have a special offer for our listeners. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 12pop and use code 12pop for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 12pop and use code 12pop for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Thanks, y'all. Um, okay, so let's move on though to some other, you know, familial news, even tied to grandmothers. Chandler, mm-hmm. can we discuss the name of the new child born unto us, um, born into the world? Wow, Lilibet, <laughs> Lilibet Diana. Uh, yes, born over the daughter weekend. of daughter of Harry and Meghan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Duke and Duchess well- of Sussex. Born in a cute little Santa Barbara hospital. Mm. Oh, probably already adorned in some sort of eyelet, you know, some sort of eyelet doily-esque outfit. Okay. I just want your thoughts on the name. Uh, I think the name is adorable. I think it's really sweet. Uh, I think it's also interesting that um, Kate never named anything after Diana. Like that – 
That only occurred to me after uh, Megan did. Yeah, I didn't know Kate included Diana and Princess Charlotte's name as well until I was kind of doing a little bit of research for the pod. So wait, she okay? So what did she include? What was what was what uh, so it's middle name? Princess Charlotte. I know her full name includes Elizabeth Diana. Oh, interesting. Okay, so she was one of those really long, but it I never yeah. even knew about it. It was not publicized, right? Which is interesting, right? Yeah. Well, okay. So what I think is interesting is so first of all the vitriol, the the pure vitriol from some people regarding this name. I mean, people hate Meghan Markle with such a fury. There's one girl I follow and who posts amazing celeb recaps and commentary, but oh my gosh, it was like a multi-slide attack on Meghan Markle for choosing this name and how like after you've just slandered this family, after you just drug them through the mud, how dare you? And I just think it's so interesting. I mean, I definitely understand. I really understand that perspective. Um, and I, I do think it's a little bit gratuitous on part of Harry and Meghan. Like, I think that it's such a public nod. And I think that it actually would have been a lot sweeter to have named her Lily and then, you know, wrote a private note to the queen that basically said that this was a private nod to the name Lilibet, but that this was just that this wasn't something that they were going to like just have it be a private thing. I think the name Lilibet is a little cringe and a little corny. I think they should have just gone with Lily. And then it could have been something that was like classy and private and like a family a family thing rather than I think Lilibet Diana it's such an overt nod to her royal lineage and it just seems maybe a little bit like clout chasing if you will. So I kind I, of, I get the criticism. I don't. Although I don't I think get it's, the criticism at all. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's like warranted. I mean, she's a royal baby. Like, of course she's going to have like this full, like brilliant name. I don't know why she has to go by Lily. Like, and like, I'm sure she's going to go by Lily actually, but I don't know. Like she's, I don't know why her like first name has to be more casual. Like, of course she's going to have this like very royal, like, you know, title. Yeah, I think it I think it all honestly, it all hinges on whether there's authentically a truly good relationship between Harry and Meghan and the Queen or not. Because well, if I think there not, is. I think there is because they like they did not slander the Queen at all. Yeah, but the Queen is the head of the household of the head of that family and they slandered the family. And it all just depends on if that relationship is truly warm, truly loving. Or I mean, if there is tension there. I think if there's tension – if the relationship is in any way strained and awkward, the name is weird. And if, But if the relationship is is warm, is there's no awkwardness, that this doesn't you know come across, then this doesn't come across as pandering and clout chasing, at least privately. She's married to like the prince of whatever. Like I don't think it's clout chasing for her to name – the baby, her daughter, after the two, you know, after the queen and Princess Diana. I think I understand people's criticism. I don't also possess the same vitriol um, behind it. I think that it's a nuanced conversation and it really depends on the state of their relationship with the queen. But, you know, it's, I think it is a situation where given that they've dramatically left the family, I think that it's understandable that this overt public nod to the family you know, it's it's mixed messages. And I think that it's also – there's an element of the fact that they didn't include anything of her family. Mm. 
Yeah, no no nod to her own family, no nod to her own mother in the name, which is which I think was interesting. Yeah, totally. It's like, well, if you're gonna I mean like if you're gonna like name your kid all these names, like might as well throw another one in there. Yeah, I think it's it's a strange omission given their their recent choices. That's for sure. I think the name is gorgeous though. Like I don't I don't mind Lilibet. I think it's cute. She'll obviously go by Lily. I think Lily Diana is gorgeous. I agree, but I would say that Lily Diana with a private note to the queen would have been a more restrained appropriate choice given the historical context of when the child was born. Yeah, but you know, Megan doesn't really play by those rules. You know, that's true. That is true. And I am her defense attorney, but I do understand the criticism. Um, okay, shall wow. we move on? That's not what she's paying you to do, but anyways, okay, that's beside the point, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, pro bono, okay. So you got what you pay oh, for, Megs. Truly. Um, okay, okay, yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Gwyneth Paltrow, she posted that her and Apple have a tradition where every year on Apple's birthday, they get a new piercing together. And I th- thought this, this was hilarious. This is unfathomable to me, but please proceed. I thought this was hilarious because I recently got, you know, th- I always had one piercing and then I got two additional piercings in each ear because I do think that multiple piercings are so incredibly trendy and cute and add a unique edge. And I don't think that they're trashy in any so- in any way. Um, however, I got them like three weeks ago or a month ago, and then we flew into town, saw mom, and mom immediately shamed me. Um, so mom made a, definitely a snide and rude remark about them, even though I thought Ugh. they looked super cute and were, you know, anyway, whatever. Um, and, and mom literally shamed me to the point where I took mine out, and then I'm just letting them close up because they're basically not even going to leave a scar. Are and you serious? Like you're actually letting them close up fully? Like mom has shamed you into yeah. literally taking all of them out. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And I think I will get them re-pierced another time. And maybe this makes me so crazy and neurotic. But I took them out and I looked at them and I realized that they would close without a trace. And I just realized that on my wedding day, I don't want two additional holes in my ear. And I just want to wear a pair of earrings and I don't want two empty holes. I don't want that. However, I don't think I will care thereafter about that. And I'll probably, I don't want to wear multiple piercings on my wedding day. And so I think that I will get them re-pierced after my wedding day and be fine with wearing multiple earrings at all times. Okay. That is my decision. Lauren, no one will notice if you have holes in your ears on your wedding day. You have cute freckly ears, which like I feel like distract, like there's no, like you couldn't even see the hole. Like even when you took them out, I could not see the hole. So I don't think anyone would ever even notice the hole. And I also think you're letting mom win. I know. I know. I'm letting crazy patriarchal like vestiges from our childhood guide my decisions as a 30-year-old woman. However, I just think I recognize that there are parts of our Mormon upbringing that still remain firmly entrenched in my psyche. Is it neurotic? Is it totally irrational and unreasonable? Absolutely. However, it persists and exists. You're letting mom win, and I think you need to rise up. I I absolutely agree, and I have no excuses. I think we I should mean, move forward. <laughs> when I got my piercings, when I got my second piercing, I hid it from mom, I guess, for a full year, basically, and then I didn't show her till the day I graduated from college. Like, at my graduation okay, so- college party, I was like, oh, by the way, I actually have this. I mean, I will say one additional piercing in, your, in one ear is different than three on each side. 
I, yeah, I, I know it's nothing. And and it literally, I think, actually looks so classy and so good. And I think elegant. Like, I think it's such a way to have a little bit more of a edgy vibe as an otherwise elegant person. However, I just, I don't know. I'm you just, don't. You, know, actually, I'm, you actually just don't believe any of that. No, it's not that at all. I just don't want – I'm going to wear my hair up on my wedding day. I, I don't know what, what those piercings will look like when taken out in a year from now and if they will be actually visible. And there's a part of me that just doesn't want visible additional holes in my ears on my wedding day. Maybe you okay. can just permit me to be a neurotic bride. I will allow you to have tunnel vision for your wedding and I look forward to you know March of 2022. Thank you. Where I can pay Claire's an additional $140. Okay, right. let's move forward. Yeah. Emrata, she posted a thirst trap in a bikini with her baby. And you guys, we've already dedicated basically two to three full episodes to hating Emrata and exposing her as a you know terrorist against all women. So I don't mm-hmm. think we need to belabor that point. But I think it would be interesting to just touch on this picture, Chandler. Yeah, let's touch on it. So she posts the picture and promptly removes the ability to comment, which I thought was interesting. Um, and she got a lot of hate and mom shaming because the child, uh, the child is being held in a way that does not seem to optimize for the child's comfort. I think that's safe it too. It's like the most most apathetic like stance ever. Like as she's holding, like literally her body language is apathetic. It's like I'm barely holding. It looks like your teenage babysitter like has to watch the kid at the pool. <laughs> Like, that's kind of what I'm gleaning from this photo. <laughs> Your slutty teenage nanny. No, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, exactly. She looks like the, – the child looks like – like, it's like having its circulation cut off in a strange way, and the neck is not supported, and it's kind of just, like, arching backward, like, you know, limply, like, willing itself and- to return to the earth and away from its, you know, narcissistic mother. If you will. For some reason, it gives me like like you know how Zara does like has like terrible styling photos of their clothes like where they like all look very weird. It looks like the baby is like for sale on Zara, and it's like <laughs> like Emrod is like help modeling it. Like it's so odd. In it's her defense, doing that. Though, it's doing that strange arched back, like you know, reaching you know behind your heels vibe pose. Yeah. Um, in her defense, she does have like a swipe where she's holding it in a more normal way, but it's very odd. I don't like it. I hate stuff like this more than anything. Okay, so I think that the reason why this photo is annoying is because if the point is to show that you have, you know, a size zero figure virtually weeks from giving birth, a few months from giving birth, that could be accomplished in maybe a little bit less of an overt way, but it's also like the sultry pout. Like it's like it's like the focus is always be as sexy as possible. And I don't want to like shame new mothers. I don't want to be a part of a culture that says moms can't be sexy. That's not what I'm trying to do. I just think it's an interesting choice that there's like essentially no kind of more sweet content mixed in. Like Emrata is just like full sex all the time. Yes, even with that is exactly child. what it is. That's exactly what it is. There's not really like a here's my like – I just feel like the normal pose in that situation would be a smile versus a pout. And that's right. really like what's interesting is that you're getting like this like pout like sex face and then it's like and then my baby's also on my arm like and that's all of her photos with the baby yeah like using her baby to push her boobs up it's just 
if you were going to go to the Academy of Thirst Trapping um, by Lauren Bledsoe that, you know, I'm, I'm creating my Coursera course as we speak, this would not be, this would not be in the approved guidelines or style guide. Okay. You gotta, you gotta have it be semi-candid. You gotta have it be a little bit more sweet. I went back in the archives and she has a photo of herself like uh, straddling her man, like on the grass. Did you see this one? Oh, it's not even in the archives. It's like six photos down. Yeah. It's like I just, you know, I scrolled back a little bit and it was like I didn't even know I was pregnant here. It's like why is everything all sex all the time? Full ass out. That's what it is. It's like it's – it's the it's it's all sex like that is the that is always the message is Emrata as sex object right. by Emrata right and I don't know and now she's it's like awful. having a family life and and she's trying to like do both at the same time and it's just like it's not hitting. I mean, call me like Serena Waterford. Call me Serena Joy Waterford, <laughs> but it's off putting. Okay, it's just off putting. All right, moving on. I think we should talk about Amelia Gray. Okay, yes. In the same variety of, I would say, unseemly Instagram posts, Scott Disick posted a basically naked photo. I mean, she's wearing a nude thong and a nude bra while reaching up for, you know, something on the top shelf. He posted this photo of her. Chandler, what are your thoughts? Here are my Serena Joy Waterford thoughts, okay? <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Um, Hold on. One, give me one second. I'm scrolling. Where did it go? Here it is. Did you move it? Okay. Um... Hold on. Okay. Yes. Um, I am not here for these sexy couple postings. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like we're in Hollywood, sex sells, yada, yada. Um, like I said, I'm Serena right now. And I this is like a, a pearl clutching belief I have. I just don't love it when men get gross on Instagram. I don't really love it when men get, are gross like in real life either. Like and like sexualize their woman publicly. Like I think it's kind of nasty. Um Post your body, look hot, sell your lingerie. I just don't want like your boyfriend captioning like images of you in this sexual way. Also, your boyfriend who is like – who has a daughter who's like, you know, who's closer to your age than he is. Well, no, he's literally twice her age at this point. Yes. She is – she's a teenager still. She's still a teen. She's 19. Like – also, another factor of this is that you you know all of his kids have an Instagram and they see this. He has like an 11-year-old son. Like it's it's I'm, disgusting. It's disgusting. And I think that I absolutely believe that a relationships with big age gaps can absolutely be loving and authentic and wonderful. It's not about that. It's about when the age gap it I think that when when age gaps become concerning is when the more vulnerable younger person is being primarily sexually exploited. And that's when people find it to be troubling and gross. And this and post, that is what this picture underlies that. Yeah, this posting reaffirms that concern, I would say. And so I think it's just I think it's gross and you know, I, another interesting thing I think is that he never did this with Sophia. And so I wonder what he's trying to prove. Is he trying to prove that he doesn't need Sophia? He's found a, a new younger sex object with Amelia. Like, what is the impetus behind this kind of taking it to the next level? Is he upset with the Kravis's explicit postings of each other? Is this a um, is this a kind of dig toward Courtney? I mean, I I think he maybe is upset about like some of the Kravis like lovey-dovey like truly seeming in love post maybe that's like partly feeling this i also think we have like as a society have given scott disick like license to be as gross as he wants to be 
And I like am right. And I won't stand for it anymore. And I won't have it in our children's homes. I won't have it on my TV. <laughs> I won't have it in my family. You, I just I, he's disgusting. I renounce him. You and I like vacillate between like you know teal clad wives of Gilead, and uh, I would say like you know, I would say like. <laughs> and whoremongers, pussy hat protesters during the Trump election. Like those are really like the the pendulum swings, I would say, moment to moment from both sides. Right. Uh, from both speeds. ends of the spectrum for us. Yeah, we really do. But in this side, I don my veil and I just think that this is not a direction I would like to go in as a society. I also think that Lisa Renna would literally sell like sell her daughters to the highest bidder and does not care at all and just loves the fame. And that is just a side of like Hollywood parenting that I find to be disgusting. Right. Where like where Kris Jenner truly is like a mother who is like a part of the Hollywood machine, but is a mother first who sends her kids Bible verses, you know, every day, scripture of the days. I don't know if you've seen those on Courtney's Instagram. Um, you know, Lisa Renna is a morally bankrupt woman who will not be found, you know, in favor in the eyes of God. <laughs> there, There is seriously no greater example of cognitive dissonance than us on this podcast proclaiming our agnosticism and atheism, essentially, while also espousing like the hotness of Christian men and the values of a good Christian society. Okay. It makes no sense, you guys, and we firmly acknowledge it. We firmly acknowledge that we basically are hypocrites and yeah, thanks for totally. listening. Thank you. Thank you for tolerating us. Okay. Other celeb news. Um, oh, also, I just want to acknowledge that, you know, there's many theories on how the Kardashians actually became famous and if Kris Jenner actually released Kim's tape. So we acknowledge that as well. And we don't know. And we are going to choose to believe that Kris Jenner is a good Christian woman. Okay. So moving forward, Chandler, Hilaria Baldwin, and Alec Baldwin, they have a new podcast coming out called what's another one okay why god why <laughs> here's my question chandler okay and this is what i think is hilarious why can't rich people just be content to be rich people why can't actors just be content to be wealthy famous actors acting is an art like why have we entered this dystopian future where people who are at their height of like of esteem and a very respected profession, a profession that is considered also to be an art form, why are they now all leaving that profession in droves for, I guess, the brighter, warmer shores of influencing and podcasting? It just makes no I mean, sense to me. They're going to have a rude awakening when they get that uh, first paycheck, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's not exactly a billionaire industry. That's all I got to say, okay? And also... On another level, a good podcast is a lot of work, all right? We have a mediocre podcast, and it's also a lot of work. Um, Absolutely. I think it's going to be extremely challenging to work with your spouse. Like, I have a hard enough time, and I work with my sister, okay? To work with your spouse <laughs> is going to be very hard. I remember listening to one of Arielle Lore's pods, and she was saying that she was trying to record this episode with Chuck, and it literally took them like three tries to get into a good rhythm. So a weekly podcast where all you do is talk to the person you're already spending all your time with around the clock, who you like, you know, probably have the most uh, like gripes with, like that's going to be difficult. I don't know why anyone would do oh. that to themselves. 
good luck. Our our bond as sisters has basically like it's had to go through a bit of a ringer to get into a good groove with this podcast and we've emerged and we're fine, but it's been a tough journey. So all I will say is that I hope John Bledsoe takes the bar in whatever state they end up getting divorced in because that's the only way that this podcast will end. A, a thousand a dissolution also, of marriage. What is it going to be about? Is it going to be like freaking tone deaf parenting advice from the ultra rich? This is what I'm like already like resenting about it. It's going to be like, here's how to be so mindful and so present as a parent when you have all the money in the world, all the Sakura, you know, vegan delivery food and all the weekend getaways to the Hamptons you could ever want. Like, I'm just, I'm not here for it. Oh, and I'm sure excessive, excessive childcare. Mm -hmm. Also, there's just like, there's just something to me about and I, I'm just going to return to this thought. There's just something to me that's hilarious about the fact that so many esteemed actors have literally left the profession to be influencers and podcasters. I mean, the graveyard of acting careers grows larger and larger as everyone ditches the sacred art of performance for shilling products and talking about nothing. Look at Harry and Meghan. They left the royal family, to essentially start a podcast. I mean, any day now, we're going to get word from Meryl Streep and Daniel Day Lewis that they are giving up acting to start a YouTube channel, okay? Oh, I cannot wait for the days of method podcasting, truly. (laughs) Okay, Chandler, can I also talk to you about a few grievances I have, a few complaints? Air them out. Let's hear it. Thank you. Um, This all was triggered. I'm very triggered this morning because I went to Dutch Bros for coffee. Which is our new favorite spot, thanks to Courtney. Yeah. Well, I'm not – I don't want to sponsor them right now because I'm mad at them. Okay? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Um, Revoke. (laughs) I just – no need to apologize. Um, Okay. So I pull up to to Dutch Bros this morning. I'm a bedraggled mess. Hair askew. I'm in Kagan's boxers and a sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. Okay? We don't really love to wear cute pajamas. Out and about, not, you know, when we're getting know, our coffee. Well, I just am not equipped with all of my apparel, with mm-hmm. all my sleepwear apparel right now. It's just right. not happening. Um, anyway, and both of us, we don't have proper cerebral functioning before full caffeination, okay? Right. Don't, I don't want to be talked to. I don't want to speak to others until the IV drip is fully coursing through my veins. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the drive-thru and this sprightly 18-year-old on an iP- with her iPad ringing me up, looks at me, okay, full, I'm a full wreck, and says, on your way to work? <laughs> I <laughs> That is honestly anyway, the best dig I've ever heard. I think she was trying to offend you. Oh, no, no. Let me just, just, just wait for the slow torture that ensues. Okay. And- Anyway, so I muster like a pained, eh, sorta. I, I, uh, you know, I work from home, barely speaking English. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And anyway, I'm hoping her next words are, "Here's your order," but instead she replies, "Cool. What do you do for work?" And I, the sweet I gr- girl, I groan internally, and I'm just like, "Oh, I have a few businesses. Nice. What are they?" Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Okay, the pace we're going, I will be happy if I get this caffeination by the time – By the time Retain goes public? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the time Bitcoin hits a million dollars, I just hope this coffee is ready from Dutch Bros. Okay. Okay. So I'm trapped. I cannot get out of this interminable conversation. And I'm like, oh, you know, one's a podcast and one's a finance business. What made you want to start those? God in heaven. <laughs> why? I don't know. I still don't know why I chose to start either of them. I'm not sure if either of them are going to take off. Okay. So just shut up. Like, what other reason do you start a business to make money? That's it. There's no other reason. Like, also, why do I have to talk to you about this? Why am I on suddenly not in the drive-thru for coffee, but talking to Guy Raz on how I built this? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You're at like okay? the business summit of Dutch Rose like drive-thru. A hundred percent. Like, this is an unpaid for, you know, panel discussion at the Forbes conference. You know, the the poor man's Forbes conference. Anyway, so I'm like, oh, you know, I just didn't want to work for other people. And right. she's like, she, she's like, for sure. Are they doing well? Isn't that like not okay to ask? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, uh, I just can't even muster anything oh beyond just like, yes, in different tones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, like an apparition, okay, like a glim in a glimmer of light. I'm sorry for all of our religious folks, but like Jesus Christ in the second coming, my coffee appears in the window, and thank God because I was ready. I was ready to murder someone at that point. I was ready to murder this sweet, this sweet college girl. And here is my complaint, okay. I think working in customer service, I worked those jobs ad nauseum for a decade. Listen, I didn't care. I didn't want to know about my customers. They didn't want to know about me. And I understood that. Why? Beyond one to two pleasantries, can we pass on the interrogations? Honestly, I don't think, like, I think this is coming down from corporate Dutch bros where they're literally like, you need to make conversation, make make this drive through an experience for our customers. All right. Ex no, exactly. And then it's it's literally just like at the bank where they're like when when I used to go into the bank when they would be like, any any fun plans this weekend? Uh, probably not because I'm never gonna get out of this bank because this is the first of a hundred questions that you're gonna ask me. Anyway. It's my pet peeve, and I know it makes me sound like the most Karen of consumers, but it's just, it's too much, especially pre-caffeination. And then here's the final complaint, Chandler, insult to injury. I must rant about this. Before the transaction was over, she turned the iPad to me and she said, this is totally optional, but would you like to leave a tip? Oh my gosh. Uh. And it's not, it wasn't like I could press the button. It was for her to press right, the button. Right. So I had to verbally tell her no, which of <gasps> course I'm not going to do. Right. No right. one's going to tell you no to your face. No, We're all just going to hit no tip and then shamefully drive away. Here's my – yes. Okay. A thousand percent. I have notes on this because I truly – like. I – we square has literally like changed the game in this way where now everything is we're supposed to tip on like literally i go to a cafe i order a coffee or a cup of water for them to just literally pour hand back to me it's a 30 second exercise like there's no like you know craft that goes into it maybe i'm gonna get canceled for saying this i don't know 
And I'm expected to tip on top of that. Every single thing I am purchasing with like a square system, I'm expected to tip. They flip the screen around and then they watch you. And I and I don't think it's fair because it's made me less of a generous person. And I actually like I always tip 20% at restaurants. Like I do and my DoorDashers, like Ubers, like everything, like those types of jobs, I totally feel like I should be tipping on. But like this totally. It's made me feel like mad at tipping and feel like I'm getting scammed. Um, right. So like what I do is I literally, if I don't tip, I will hit new sales so that it's not like so evident when they flip it back around. I'm sorry. I just consider like Dutch Bros to the, be the McDonald's drive-through of coffees. I don't need to tip at McDonald's. Why do I need to tip at Dutch Bros? Like just because it's a coffee beverage? Like I don't think so. Like sure, if I order a coffee at a cafe and a latte is brought to me on gorgeous china with a saucer, I'll sling a dollar at that baby. Like of course. But if I'm just going through a drive-through, like in a an ordinary an ordinary American consumer trying to get through her day? Why do I have to add on an additional 20% to that transaction when I'm already paying $5.50 that costs 30 cents for the company to make? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Also, I have a friend and he has a really good rule. It's basically like if if you're at an establishment where you're expected to bust your own table, you don't tip. Like that's kind of like the bar. Like if that you have sense. to do everything for yourself, yeah. including get the food, clean up after yourself, then there's no tip involved. Like I was at um I was at Jersey Mike's. Um we were at Jersey Mike's together and there was the op- opportunity to tip. And it's like this is like Subway. Like why do and and it's fine, a buck whatever, but like it's no squares like at the least they're going to give you is 10%. So are you going to tip $4 on your $40 order or are you going to tip nothing? You know what I mean? They don't even give you the option of like a, a buck or two. And it's just, it's so much. I got, um, I got Botox uh, with mom last weekend in St. George. And, and even there, it was a $13 a unit. So it's not even cheap Botox. And then there's the option to tip. Why am I tipping? I just paid for a medical like per service. You get right, paid right. very I'm already good money. overpaying Why? for something. Am I yeah. tipping? Anyway, I'm just it's, it's honestly it's so egregious. It's egregious. Okay. I think that we as consumers in America need to take the power back. Just kidding. Uh, we have all the power, but still. And we're, <laughs> we're super obnoxious. And honestly with it. But here's the thing. It's like I I reserve my tipping. Like I just feel like I I feel like Uber drivers, DoorDash people, like all of those blessed people who are doing the most not that like everyone working isn't you know working hard but like those people literally like they need tips to like survive your botox technician does not need tips to like pay her their rent by the way though i resent i resent doordash and uber eats and an uber for putting on it on me to tip just charge what's going to pay these people an appropriate wage, okay? And then I can make the decision whether I need like Shengwan noodles delivered to my door, okay? I'll make that choice. But why do I have to deal with the emotional question of am I going to put an additional 10 to 20% on top of this transaction? I get if someone's bringing food to your door 100%, but even Uber, it's like, can't they just pay the Uber drivers and price right. out oh, the, totally. the rides? It's like we're having to pick up the slack as the consumer. 
Exactly. Like Ubers used to be super cheap in Puerto Rico. For some reason, they went super expensive overnight. So I'm paying $25 a ride generally. I'm paying at least $15, yeah, for every ride. Yeah, rides prices have gone up. And then on top of it, it's like, it's a percentage of the total. Anyway, okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Um, someone's going to check me into a an asylum here. So hopefully I'm around to do the Patreon this week. I might be recording we'll recording from some sort of like, you know, river adjacent serenity center. <laughs> refuge. Get yourself to refuge. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, it's been an excellent episode. It's been great chatting with you. I think there's a ringing in my background that people can probably hear, so it's probably uh-uh. time to bid adieu. I can't hear it, but, you know, it's pro- it might be your oh, own excellent. head. might literally be like you're, you're going crazy. <laughs> there's voices in my head that are speaking that I'm mm-hmm. sure people can hear. Okay. Love you, sis. Love you. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at popapologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Beerley and I'm Jennifer Chaikin and we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the cycle babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself.